My guest on the show this week is Louise Harnby. If you've got a novel in you and you're looking to get it published, Louise has some great advice to give. We also talk about how she's built her personal brand and about how she markets her business. Welcome to episode 157 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh, helping you keep your marketing strategy simple and the BS at bay. Well, hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plug me and my guests into your earphones. I know quite a lot of listeners of the Marketing and Finance Podcast have got ambitions to publish their own book, whether it's fiction or non-fiction. Quite a few of my guests on the podcast have written their own books as well. This year, it's one of my ambitions to finish writing a marketing book that I've had in mind for many, many years. So it's really great this week to talk to Louise Harmby, who helps people self-publish their own books. We chat about the importance of sharing your story in your own voice, why self-published authors deserve professional editing services, how Louise got into content marketing, why brand identity is essential, why marketing advice should be given in plain language, and what's gone well and what hasn't gone so well as Louise has built her personal brand. So let's get straight into that interview with Louise right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Louise, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Hello, Roger. Thanks so much for having me. And where are we Skyping each other from today, Louise? I'm in Edinburgh, as always. I'm in Norfolk, and the deepest, darkest Norfolk. Um, it's, you're lucky you can even speak to me, um, because the, the broadband here is so bad. <laughs> well, it's very clear. It's very clear today. Very clear today. Good, good. <laughs> and of course, I remember hearing all sorts of things about the Norfolk Broads when I was growing up. That seemed to yeah. have been an incredibly cool place to go on holiday, getting on a boat and uh, zipping around the waterways. Oh, they're beautiful, Roger. Honestly, it's such a privilege to live here. It's just gorgeous. I've got the sea 20 minutes in one direction. I've got a broad down the road. What's not to like? Louise, you are a copy editor. You also help people publish books. So we've got quite a lot of things we can talk about today. But before we get into that, tell the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast a little bit about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, where you're going, and basically what makes Louise Harnby tick? Okay, so um, yes, I'm a book editor. I'm a fiction book editor specifically. I I started out working in-house for Mm -hmm. an academic publishing company back in, oh, the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And um, and I had a fantastic career there, but um, I had a child in 2003, and my work balance, my work life balance was just it just needed attending to. Mm-hmm. And so after a couple of years, I decided to set up my own editorial business, doing copy editing and proofreading. Mm-hmm. And um, so these days, I help self-publishing authors um, help them prepare their books for market. I'm a passionate advocate of storytelling, and I got really fed up with listening to those. Kind of literary snob saying that if a, a writer couldn't get a mainstream publishing deal, then they had no business putting their book out there. Mm. And I, I just really disagree with that, Roger. I think that everybody has the right to write. I think it's a gift to be able to share a story and put that into words and, and put it out there. And um, 
so yeah, that's that's kind of um, where the the editing side of things came from. I suppose the other thing about me is that I I love marketing. I think I love marketing my own business almost as much as I love editing, especially content marketing. And I and, think that the world that we live in at the moment now, because of digital technology, because we've got the ability to do content marketing and other sorts of marketing online, people who previously would have had to have relied upon a, a mainstream book publisher can now self-publish, can't they? And and that's, that's right. what that's what you're doing. You're helping. It just reminds me, actually, that uh, we moved house about five years ago, and something rather incredible happened to me when we moved house. I used to write fiction when I was younger. Um, <laughs> m- most of it was science fiction, and it probably wasn't very good science fiction, but I was a bit of a geek. I used to like Doctor Who yeah. and Star Trek and, and all of that sort of thing. And a, a couple of years after I left university, I wrote what I thought was probably the first 150 pages of what I thought was going to be a best-selling science fiction book. And for whatever reason, I mislaid this manuscript and it was, it was, it was handwritten. I I didn't have a typewriter or a word word processor and there, and, and it was always there in the back of my, I wonder what happened. And you know, you know what happens as time goes by, I embellished it in my mind. And of course this, (laughs) this, this first 150 pages got better and better and better in my head. And then five years ago we were moving house and you know what you do? You absolutely bottom the old house. You, yeah, you yeah. dig things out. And I found it. No. I did. <laughs> and whilst the basic sort of outline of the story was, I, I thought, still pretty good, you could tell it was written by a 22-year-old because yeah. there was so much sort of naivety in there and naivety about the world and naivety about relationships. But I have got it now. It's still handwritten. So one day, you never know, maybe I'll, I'll uh, get the typewriter out and start. Desk, in, indeed. Well, well done, Roger. Just well done for writing it. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I love That's such a fantastic story. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny. I, I, I used to write fiction when I was younger and, and quite a lot of my career has involved writing you know I've written millions of brochures I've written hundreds of articles for trade magazines and and other magazines and it's quite interesting Um, I've recently been talking to people who could help me with my copywriting and help me with the um with the show notes pages for this podcast, for instance. Mm. And and one of the conversations I was having with the VA was actually Roger you actually like writing And that makes it harder for you to give it up because one of the things that a lot of people suffer from is that they they do show notes for podcasts, they write their own web pages, and actually they don't like writing. And that's why they hand it off to a VA, whereas I actually quite like it. (laughs) So even though productivity-wise, I could probably be employed by doing much more um, rewarding things financially for me as a consultant, I still do a lot of my own stuff because I like it. And I think writing as well is 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 a great way of um, bringing clarity to your thoughts. That's mm-hmm. what I find. That's mm-hmm. why I love blogging because yeah. um, just being able to 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 consolidate those ideas and structure them and put them down on 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 paper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a really good cleansing process, I think, for and and for just helping sort of move your business forward sometimes. And and I do think as well, there's a sort of another side to it whereby when you when you write your own when you write when you create your own words, you know that. They've got your heart and voice in them. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that some writers are often nervous about coming to me um, uh, for because they're they're worried that the editor will somehow 
interfere with their voice mm -hmm. um, and, and take something away from it. And actually, my job is to be invisible. Mm -hmm. I've got to I've got to make sure that every 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 change I make is emotionally responsive to to whoever's voice I'm dealing with. So you set yourself up in business as an editor. Yeah. And was there you made a reference to before the traditional publishers and you know there's maybe an element of um, snobbery there but so did you have a completely different model in mind when you set your business up? Self-publishing was already burgeoning by the mm -hmm. time I went into independent practice. So um it, it wasn't a uh the, the mainstream publishing industry is still solid and, mm -hmm. and there's a good reason for that. It's, it's a really important part of the publishing mm -hmm. process, but it does mean that writers who, whether and I'm talking about nonfiction and fiction writers here, um, it means that writers are beholden to sort of trends and fads. And sometimes it may well be that a writer's got a great idea for uh, a book. But there's, there's, there's not a big enough market for mm -hmm. that publisher to, to, to bother with it. And right. so, self-publishing then comes into its own but that that doesn't mean that that writer still doesn't need to take the book through the various stages of production that would happen in the mainstream publishing industry and that's where people like me come in mm -hmm. it's where um developmental editing um, which i don't do but um but i do copy editing and proofreading but um there are various different stages of, of editing that a professional publisher would take a book through and if you're going to self-publish um, ideally, if you can find the budget, that's what you need to be doing with your own book too. And mm -hmm. so when I set up, it was all about helping um, people smooth and correct their text so that their their readers aren't going to become, they're not going to be tripping over their words. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, that they can actually enjoy the story, that it looks like a professional product rather than just being, because there is, there is still, uh, there are still a lot of people out there who unfortunately will think, right, I've written that first draft like the one that you found in under your cupboard. Mm -hmm. um, so that's ready to go. I can put it up on Amazon. So I will put it <laughs> up on Amazon. And and actually, that's people like me uh, are trying to help authors not make that mistake to 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 go up. Um, it's a bit like um, in, in in my business now. I'm a professional editor. I'm not a professional marketer, mm. but I still have to do marketing yeah. because I I run my own business. And and when authors go to self publish, they're they're not necessary professional marketers and they're not professional editors. What what they are is are writers, but that's they still need to take control of those other elements of the publishing process, like editing and marketing. And if they can't do it themselves, then they need to get help in. And so that's that was the the kind of um the impetus for for me. But it also meant that I could do it in uh, on my own terms. Mm -hmm. uh, it means I, I could I could do I could lead my family life. I could work the hours I wanted to. And, uh, um, you know, run my small business in a way that suits me rather than being beholden to the office. <laughs> and you described there that you, you obviously you had to start marketing your business and, and you mm. and you like marketing. But was there a moment when you discovered the power of content marketing, the power of how to get your name out there? Yeah, there is. Although it was kind of by accident. Was it? Um, <laughs> so back in 2011, I created a blog right. called the Proofreaders Parlor, and uh, I didn't. I honestly didn't set it up with some brilliant content marketing plan in mind. Mm -hmm. It was about saving time. I was getting questions from people, um, you know, people thinking about joining the industry, and they would ask which training courses I recommended, or how to proofread a PDF, or what qualifications you needed. And I was repeating myself over and over. Yeah. And so the blog was just for me a way of shortcutting. It just meant I could put my advice there and refer people to the articles. And that was all swimming for a 
couple of years. And then I noticed something and I was starting to show up in the search engines, uh, even for quite short tail keywords, things like proofreader. Mm-hmm. And and I realized that there was a connection between my blogging and my visibility. Right. And, and the thing is, Roger, I wasn't reading lots of pro marketing books at the time. All my professional development went on learning how to be a better editor. Uh, I was learning marketing completely on the hoof. And just because I loved doing it, I didn't mind putting the work in. I just tested things and saw what worked and what didn't. And I came up, (laughs) this will make you laugh. I came up with this idea that there was a value-added marketing, that if you created something really useful and gave it to people for free, then you got shared and talked about and linked to and and ultimately got ranked. And I honestly didn't have a clue that there was this approach in the industry called content marketing. I didn't know it was a thing. I, I just kind of discovered it accidentally and found that it that it worked and um, so it was a bit of a shock to me when I remember somebody t- talking to me and saying how how they thought that content marketing was the big thing and I was like what's content marketing yeah. and I was in such a panic that I'd, I'd missed this big thing that I, I went and I asked a, a message to a colleague of mine and and he said don't worry Louise you've been doing it for years you just don't call <laughs> it that and uh, the relief. <laughs> I mean, there, there, are, there are various ways that you can describe content marketing. A simple way of describing it is being helpful. And yes. that's exactly what you were doing. You were yeah. you were answering people's questions because they were asking the questions time and time again. And in, in a way, in order to take a bit of the pressure off you, you were giving those answers on your website. And that content was then discoverable by those people who were asking yeah. those questions. Yeah. So being helpful is one of the key features of content marketing and effectively they ask you answer that's the name of a book by marcus sheridan and and that's what content marketing is all about is giving people stuff which helps them rather than effectively promotes to them or grabs them by the scruff of the neck and says buy from me and what i love about it is that it really is this 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 concept that fundamentally chimes with being a a human and a decent human being mm. you know you, you help people and you get rewarded for it that's how we make friends it's mm-hmm. how we build relationships and content marketing is just a, a, a an extension of that and so it means that most people can do it because it's most people know how to i mean obviously there are degrees to to success but but most people know how to to be to be nice to people to mm-hmm. help people mm-hmm and once you set yourself up and you mm-hmm. started to get clients, what were the what were the main challenges that you faced getting your new business off the ground? And and then how did you overcome those challenges to make it work? Publishing's a funny old business. Um, in, in actual fact, if you set up as a as a as a, an independent proofreader or um, copy editor, mm-hmm. and you want to work with the publishing industry, it's it's it doesn't work quite. Getting yourself in front of those people doesn't quite work in the same way as if um, I didn't face the same challenges as I would, say, trying to um, attract independent authors. Mm-hmm. So initially, um, it wasn't uh, all I did was I, I just either made phone calls or sent letters to publishing companies. Publishing companies have already got their hands raised when it comes to editors, writers, um, indexers. They know what we do and they know why they need us. So yeah. we just have to put ourselves in front of them. And um, as long as we're good at our jobs, um, there's no reason why we shouldn't get work. Mm-hmm. I think the 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 challenge for me was once I want, once I wanted to sort of break away from that and actually start working more with outside the mainstream publishing industry and, yeah. and target this group of independent authors. And and since I knew the blog was working, that was great. That I wasn't having, I wasn't struggling to find um, ways of communicating with an audience or make myself visible. I'd, I'd kind of cracked that. But the problem was finding out the best way to 
the best way to do everything because mm. there are as you mentioned there are lots of ways of doing marketing and i didn't mind putting in the research work at first because i like i said earlier i did really enjoy it but but i think i i wasted a lot of time so for example i i knew that social media was a useful tool and i used it feverishly but i wasn't scheduling so mm. i spent a lot of time manually posting content just when i could and i knew that um I, I should build up a subscription list, but mm -hmm. I had no idea which platform was the best. And so again, I faffed around a lot and didn't make the best decisions. And then a few, oh, maybe sort of a year or so ago, I, I began to sort of hear about video, but I didn't have a clear strategy as about how I was going to incorporate that into the mix or even whether I should. And I'll be honest with you, the prospect terrified me. <laughs> and, and so just as the years went on, I felt I was playing catch up, trying to keep up with this platform and that algorithm. And it just started to feel like a bit of a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And um, the other massive challenge for me was branding. I knew that my brand identity was weak. And that didn't matter when I was when I was trying to target publishers. Because like I said, they, they know what I do. Um, uh, but once I was going out into the big wide world, um, I really needed to have a, a, a strong brand identity. And I spent hours searching online for advice. I, I read a couple of books. I found lots of articles. They were all written by really cool, chic people who talked about things like um, brand design architecture and clarity of purpose and having a customer-focused presence. And, and they, were all, they were all telling me what was important and why it was important, but none of, it, none of them told me how to do it. None mm. of them gave me like a framework or a toolbox. And and so that was that was a real struggle. And then in a, earlier this year, I, I just bit the bullet and um, I just try and get out of this rabbit hole and and just affirm up that brand identity. And so in April, I joined a, a marketing membership community. And the guys who run it have a seven step training webinar on content marketing and branding is included. Mm -hmm. And it's broken down into workable, usable steps that anyone can really dig into. And honestly, I just wish I'd done it years ago. Unfortunately, <laughs> they're, they're so young that um, if, if, if they had this thing, well, they were doing their A-levels basically when I went into business. So it was always going to happen when it happened. But um, I do I do so wish that I'd been able to do this just to, sh to find the, the tools and the shortcuts um, so, so much further back in my business. It would have saved me a huge amount of time and effort. Yeah. One of the things that I'm finding, and I've been an independent consultant for coming up for five years now after I left big corporate, as I always call it. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing big marketing roles in big corporates for a long, long time. And some of the things you were describing there has become ingrained into the way we talk about marketing, all these buzzwords, mm. you know, customer focus and, mm. and and all of that sort of thing. And and quite a lot of people setting up businesses like yourself, marketing strategy can become really complicated and, and actually quite scary because all these academic people and all these people yeah. who have been running multi-million pound budgets just talk in a completely different language. Mm. It's and intimidating. I, it is. And, and I think that I think that what Andrew and Pete, the people who run the uh, marketing membership community that you've mentioned there, and what I'm trying to do now is to say to people who are starting businesses. Actually, marketing doesn't need to be complicated. But yeah. what you do have to do is you do have to have a strategy before you start playing with content and before you start playing with social mm. media, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And it's the strategy thing that tends to put people off. That's what they get scared about. And that's, to me, where we can make it a heck of a lot simpler than yeah. the academics make it and the and the financial institutions make it and the big corporates make it. Because ultimately what you're doing is saying, 
who's my customer, identify my customer, work out what their issue is, their problem, and then you fix that problem. That's your product or your or your proposition. And once you've got those in place, then you start to use the tools that you've mentioned, like yeah. content and social, to promote and to connect and to engage with those people that you've identified as your customers. But a lot of people don't get to that. They just dive yeah. straight into, I've got to be on social. I've got to be writing blogs. I've got to be yeah. doing videos. And I think you've probably discovered that, again, maybe a little bit by accident, but mm. now you've got that structure in place then mm. that's a, a good foundation for success it absolutely works but mm. it does it, it can eat you alive mm. because there's so many options and mm. so you do i mean one of the big things i learned was about how you know don't don't worry about being excellent on six different social media platforms pick pick two or three that work for you mm. if, if, and pick the ones where your customers are hanging out because that's where it's going to make a difference. You know, my customers, for example, my clients aren't hanging out on Instagram no. or Snapchat. No. And so I don't I don't use it. Um, I mean, I do, but but sort of more as a fun thing. Mm. I don't use it as a strategic part of my business. Um, but the other thing that you said there about the, the, the language, the lingo, how 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 excluding it can be if you if you go if you if you approach marketing from the academic route. And the thing that I learned from Andrew and Pete was you know how how valuable how valuable it is to be able to learn from people who speak in plain language yeah. and they're willing to talk to me as an individual as a person so that in a way that I can understand so that so that I I'm pulled into it rather than made to feel like it's it's not for me that I'm somehow different that I'm not cool enough or or interesting enough it's a bit of a revelation isn't it so you've got these um, initiatives in place now you're doing content you've got your mm. um, customers identified what's working well for your business louise and, and what maybe isn't i would say um where my stumbles were i'll give you one example um mm -hmm. the mailing list issue has been a, a, a sort of bit of a journey for me mm -hmm. um i create content for authors and fellow editors and so this year i set up separate mailing lists for each group yeah and um after a few months it became obvious that there was a massive crossover in my membership lists. And so I've started getting feedback from quite a few people saying they were getting information twice and it was annoying them. Mm -hmm. That was a mistake on my part, but it was a really useful thing to learn because what it taught me was that I, I needed to consolidate those lists and segment from within. That's, that's not something I'd even considered doing before. And, mm -hmm. and so that's what I did so that I didn't um, annoy people. You know, I, I, it, was a, it was a stumble, but I, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't kind of regret it because in a way I, I learned something really valuable for, from it. So um, I'm not glad that it happened, but um, I'm, I'm okay that it happened um, and I've been able to fix it. So that's the best thing. On the positive front, I've got, a, we've, we've alluded to this already, but I've just got so much more time now because mm -hmm. I've learned about tips and tricks and tools that can help me work, work more efficiently mm -hmm. with my marketing. And I mean, I, I suppose I, I, the best analogy I can think of is that for the past few years, I felt like I'd been driving down a motorway at 70 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. in first gear. Yeah. And so I was getting where I wanted to go, but the engine was screaming in protest. And once I had access to the latest thinking from a couple of pros, I slipped into cruise control. We've already talked a little bit about this, but just another thing that I found works really well, and it's something I've started being a bit more active about this year, is I've actually started inviting questions on my blog. So right. people can click a button that leads to a Q&A form, and then I create a personalized answer for them on the blog. Mm -hmm. And and the thinking behind that was that if, if one person's got a question, there's a chance that other people are asking that same thing. And and I think that when you answer those questions, you know that you're helping someone, you know that you're marketing yourself in a way that means you're absolutely 
engaging and you're on point. It's the cheapest and simplest way I know how to create content that is absolutely on point by answering questions. My only caveat is that I think that it's it's labor intensive. And I've noticed that on LinkedIn, for example, I, I see the sort of that posing questions or inviting questions or inviting conversations. I see that as a tactic that's been used really successfully. What I don't like is when I see that the original poster or the blogger isn't actually responding to, to yeah. those because then it, then it's fine for a while. It might like get lots of comments and get lots of reach and get lots of shares. But after a while, I think there's a danger that people see it for what it is, that it's a marketing game rather than authentic customer engagement. So I do think that that strategy of, 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 of inviting, of actively inviting questions is, is, a great part of one's marketing toolbox but I, I think it needs to be done authentically and that means it's time consuming i mean if i'm if i'm answering a question that somebody sent me on a blog you know i might i might spend two or three hours on that i mean that's that's a that's a lot of time that's a lot of work for me to put in but i th- i figure that the content i'm creating out of that is good really really high quality content so i think it's worth it but it's a good way to engage i mean one of the basics of content marketing is just to sit down with a blank sheet of paper and maybe write down the 25 or 50 top questions that people Mm. ask you but what you're actually doing is you're saying okay guys tell me what the questions are and i will produce the content and and yes it does take you time and the investments there but i think you will have the engagement because A, the person who's asked the question originally will feel really good about the fact you've answered it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the however many untold people who were ask, asking that questions in their head but hadn't actually just clicked on the link and asked it themselves will, will still like it because you've still addressed the issue. Yeah. So it's doubly engaging from that point of view. And because you're doing it on your own website instead of something like LinkedIn, like you've, you've mentioned there, Again, it's it's much more about you and about your business and about you engaging with your customers, and and that will lead them to getting to know you, getting to like you, getting to trust you enough to do business with you. So yeah. I, I think that's a, a really good approach you've picked up on there. And okay, you're putting a lot of time into this, Louise. What are the rewards that you've been getting then for this hard work and this investment of your time? So, um. The blog's doing brilliantly. Mm. I get about 36,000 page views on my website a month on wow. average. So I'm visible. That's great for leads. And it means I'm, I mean, good goodness me, it's a good job. Not Most of those people are looking for answers to questions. They're not looking to hire my services. Thank goodness. You know, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'm on my own. Um, so I, I but, but it, it does mean that I never suffer from client famine because it, it, all it needs is the, is a few of the right people coming through who are looking for editing services. Mm-hmm. Um, to find me so um my blog is just i I love my blog so much it's 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 a key part of my business i'm very proud of it but it it works hard for me and that's brilliant um i think though i have to say that the biggest thing for me this year is um in terms of success is is the changes that i made to my brand identity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. polishing that sorting out that was huge prior to um april um i was getting on average, around 30 inquiries a month for, for editing. But most of those were not from clients who were from my target audience. So mm-hmm. I work with fiction authors, but most of those were academics, students, businesses. Mm-hmm. Now, because I've polished that brand identity and really, really managed to 
found a way to sort of nail that. Um, now all of, of my inquiries are from my target clients. And that feels to me extraordinary to have been given the tools to turn around things so quickly in just a few months to see the difference that's made in terms of the kind of people I'm engaging with now is just amazing. Because, you know, we were talking about content marketing earlier and I, and about how, it, you know, it does require a lot of time, it requires a lot of investment. It's also quite a long burn, mm. a slow burn. You know, like you, if, you're, if you've got a blog or a podcast or a, a vlog, it might, it might take 20, 30 months to get that up to speed and really start getting the, the visibility through that. But I, I saw results to... Um, sorting out my brand identity within weeks i think probably the most important thing that i've done this year again it's all about knowing who your ultimate customer is yeah and once yeah. you know who your customer is everything else starts to slot into place mm-hmm. it's when yeah. you're not really sure and you get and as you say you, you end up getting the wrong customers that's when you mm. you don't have that focus and you don't have that um ability to move forward in the right direction so what's you know, the, can i, can I yeah. just mention one other thing there roger because yeah. i think that was that was that was really key to me but i think the another part important element of it for me was and i and i suspect some other small business owners is that i'm not sure i knew how to define myself at the time mm. either i it wasn't just that i wasn't necessarily thinking in terms of right what does my core customer want who are they what are their problems i wasn't um I didn't. I hadn't really dug deep with inside of myself to to find out what aspects of my identity I wanted to were important to that branding. And so there was kind of a a, a two sides to a coin that I I brought I I I needed to bring into that. And so that was. I just wanted to say that I I think for me I needed to go even deeper than just looking at the customer. I needed to look at myself as well in order to really polish that brand. What would you say the one big idea is that you'd like everybody who's listening to the marketing and finance podcast today to take away from the experiences you've had building your business? If you feel like you're running around like a headless chicken when it comes to marketing, invest some of your professional development budget on pro marketing. Let the pros take the heat off you. Um that way you can actually focus on doing it, implementing it, rather than wasting time wondering about how and what and why. I'm, I said before, I'm not a professional marketer. I don't want to be. I'm a professional editor. And that means every minute of my marketing time has to count. It has to take my business forward. It has to get results. And, you know, before I used to spend um, loads of money on learning how to do um, becoming a better editor. Mm-hmm. But that's only half the job. And and the thing is, Roger, I Honestly, I spend three times more on my hair each month than I do on my marketing <laughs> coaches. So there's really no excuse. And so that's my advice to, to any small business owner who's struggling with market, marketing, get the help you need. I use a dentist so that I only have to worry about cleaning my teeth, not filling the holes in them. And I think it's the same with marketing. I think that, you know, focus your attention where you need to, but don't waste time trying to do something that actually you might not be trained to do. Get help. Definitely. It's not expensive. Definitely. So many companies, big and small, fall into this trap of mm. seeing as seeing marketing purely as an expense as opposed to an mm. investment. Louise, this is all really fascinating. And, and it's just one of the great things about this podcast. I get to talk to people who work in different industries yeah. about their marketing, about their businesses. And, and we always learn inspiring ideas and interesting angles. And again, some of the things that you've been saying today about branding and about content marketing will resonate with anybody in any mm. sort of business, whether they're a financial advisor, a mortgage broker, a hairdresser, or, or a 
car mechanic. Everybody can learn from these experiences that you've been having. And one of the questions I always like to ask my guests as well is, now that we've talked about your own business, maybe think outside of your own business and tell me about, it could be a marketing campaign or a product that's caught your attention in the last year. Tell me what it was and what you liked about it. Chatbots. Chatbots. <laughs> Chatbots. Okay. Um, uh, and I have actually used this in my own um, strategy recently. It's just the most exciting thing around. I really do think it's the most marketing fun you can have. Can I tell you a little bit about what I did with it? Please do. Please um, do. So in, uh, in August, I, I learned how to you to build a chatbot. Mm-hmm. using ManyChat mm-hmm. and I gave her a name I called her Lulu and I even had my illustrator friend design an image of her so that I could use <laughs> it in my campaigns and what I love about chatbots is that they're techie but you don't have to be techie to build one so all the tools are given to you from within the software and um, I think it's you were talking earlier about marketing that's that's simple that's doable that's usable and I think this is a really good example of something that Almost anyone in with any business, even even big businesses, can can use. I've had an absolute ball with the ManyChat Facebook campaign comments tool. So with this, what you do is you create a campaign whereby um, you you post something on your Facebook page, and then you you encourage or compel people to comment with a trigger word. Mm-hmm. And so within ManyChat, you set it up so that when somebody writes in this trigger word, your bot then delivers something in Messenger. Yeah. So I've given away something like a free ebook on self-editing for authors. I've given away a proofreading checklist. I've given away um, a PDF emergency marketing plan for editors and proofreaders. And in um, December, I'm doing uh, an advent calendar using my chatbot every day from first of the 24th so that should be huge fun and facebook loves it because you're not giving away this content by sending people to your website via a link instead you're keeping them on facebook's turf Mm. and so you get rewarded with a boost to your organic reach and that means that i'm getting eyes on my business and my content that i wouldn't have done ordinarily looking at my analytics the organic reach is usually about 10 times higher when I post on my page with a bot campaign. And so I think that when, pe- when, we, when any business uses these, I think that they can achieve three goals at once. They can deliver great, helpful, free content. They can expand their audiences. But best of all, they make their customers smile. And what's not to like about that? It's just making your customers feel happy. That's a good thing, isn't it? Absolutely. And I've been experimenting with chatbots as well, use, using exactly the same tool. I'm nowhere near as advanced as you are, but yeah, I'm having a bit of fun with it. And uh, again, I think that it's just a modern way of communicating. And, mm. and there will be people out there who don't want to be communicated like with like that, but there are other people as well for whom Messenger and Facebook Messenger is just the way they communicate. And therefore yeah. you have to be in those spaces if those are the people that you're talking to and you want to give that as an alternative don't you yeah absolutely absolutely and i think they're massively underused as well Mm -hmm. um so i think it's a way of really standing out at the moment because there's a lot of people i think more people are not doing this than Mm -hmm. doing it and what would you say the best business book is that you've read recently Am I really? Are you only giving me one? No, you can have as many as you want, as can long, as, long oh, as, good, as long good. as we're not here until ten o'clock tonight. No, no, I'm going to say three then. Okay, oh, three. Fantastic. <laughs> so, um, 
I read books every day. It's my job. It's what I get paid for. So um, when I'm reading, even if I'm learning, I, I need to be entertained. Yeah. Because so it's a tough one. But um, the first one I'm going to pick is um, "Right to Be Published" by Nicola Morgan. Mm-hmm. She made me laugh, but she's taught me a lot too. She tells people how to write a book that's readable and publishable, fiction or nonfiction. Um, it's got everything, um, advice on everything from structuring to editing to submitting to agents and publishers, and. So it's yes, it's about writing, but it's also about the business of writing and how to make a success of it. And and the whole thing's just infused with this wicked sense of humor. Mm-hmm. My second choice is Sticky Marketing by Grant the Boss. Um, mm-hmm. The whole concept of making your marketing an experience just really chimes for me. That idea of sharing rather than protecting as a way to build trust and engagement. It's just delicious. And my third choice is um, Andrew and Pete's The Hippocampus, because that's the book that kind of led me to them, that 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 started my journey with them and they've made a huge impact on me this year in terms of guiding me and really getting me focused and and strategically focused on my journey and it was there that I discovered um how I might sort out my branding problems that that was the start of it for me and um so yeah that's 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 I'm not going to put any of those in particular order I'm just going to offer those three as as tools for people (laughs) fantastic and i'll include links to those books in the show notes for this podcast louise it's been great talking to you today about your business about editing about content marketing about chatbots and how can people best get in touch with you um uh they can find me on social media just by searching for my name louise harmby and my website is louisehambyproofreader.com Roger, thanks so much for having me too. I've, I've, I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. It's been great. Fantastic. Louise, thanks for coming on the show and hopefully we'll be able to meet up in person sometime in the near future. I hope so too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business. (laughs) 